Welcome to Table Scratches, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, and I have on the line with me uh, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, Pastor of Bethany Lutheran Church in Naperville, Illinois, the uh, the uh, the host of the world famous, everybody's second most favorite YouTube addiction, uh, uh, Worldview Everlasting, and also the author of the book Broken, uh, good friend as well, Jonathan. Welcome to Table Scraps. Good to be on. You have a book, Broken. Uh, seven rules every Christian should break uh, at every chance they get. Is that right? How it goes? Something like that. It's, it's, it's in the ballpark, at least. Seven. I have it here. Seven uh, Christian rules that every Christian ought to break as often as possible. And this, um, and in this book, you're you're unraveling the devil's strategy uh, to steal away from us Jesus and His mercy. Uh, and so, tell us about it. Yeah. Well, that that's kind of the goal is to. Take the, the lie which the devil told in the garden, uh, the, the twist that he put on God's Word to make it not about what God would, would do or had done for Adam and Eve, but what they could make of themselves, and tease out the different ways that that lie gets spun, really through the history of Christianity, through the history of philosophy, and then even leading into our, our present age and some of the, the struggles the church faces in 21st century America. And when I say church, I don't mean you know the LCMS. I mean I mean churches. I mean uh, all those who are the body of Christ face these various spins on the lie that you find God. <clears throat> that at the end of the day, your spirituality, your religion, your your life, your justification, all these things, uh, you're the subject of the verbs. You've got to make it happen. And there's, there's, it's pretty amazing how many different ways that can be twisted. Uh, there's really kind of three major ones, and then they can, can mix and match and blend together to, to create uh, other forms and versions as they go. And three, and these, our listeners are, will be familiar with these three because uh, you copied them from our game, which latter? Moralism, mysticism, and rationalism. Actually, I copied them from Adolf Caberly's book, The Quest for Holiness, which is where your game copied them from, <laughs> what? I think. Are, yeah. you, are you kidding? No, no, I don't... I... <laughs> You've never read it. Never heard of it. <laughs> we just came up with those three on our own. We were sitting around. That's pretty oh, good of you. Man. I mean, that's really insightful on your part. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Adolf Caberly, uh, German theologian, and he writes this in the Quest for Holiness or Justification and Sanctification, and he has the three ladders. Uh, what, you, um, why don't you give them to us? Yeah, well, um, they all kind of have the same form, but they all have a little different focus. As you said, they're ladders. They're ways to climb to God. Uh, moralism is maybe the most obvious ladder. It's trying to get to God by the works of your hands and by controlling the outward uh, exertions of your body in one way or the other, whether it's building a, a tower at a place called Babel or whether it is climbing the ladder of rosaries and uh, pilgrimages. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's about using your hands to find your way to God. Um, the uh, mysticism, maybe the most famous for Table Talk Radio listeners, because it's just so uh, everywhere in pop American evangelicalism, is, as opposed to using your hands, trying to find God through your, your emotions, through your feelings, or through your heart, as it were. Uh, the, the fluttering of the experience and the, uh, uh, the twinkling of, of the tingles in the songs, or even the tingling of bells and smells and all the other stuff, trying to, to find a, a, an experience of feeling that convinces you that God is present, and that gives you some sort of immediate proof for God. Uh, and the third is, is I call it rationalism, uh, trying to keep the isms going, uh, even though Caberly called it speculation. I don't know if you guys uh, talk about speculation or, or what, but um, speculation moves from out of the realm of heart and all out of the realm of hands and into the realm of the mind that uh, I will find God with my thoughts. Uh, I will either think my way to him, 
think my way around him, or uh, as often is the case in America today, think him out of existence altogether. Uh, each one of these ladders is an attempt to build a theology based on you. Uh, and they're just different spins on that same center, uh, and uh, leading uh, to the idolatry of things which God gave you, which are good. You know, we don't want to say that hands are bad, or that the heart is bad, or that the mind is good. Uh, thoughts and feelings and, and works are all good gifts from God. But when we try to make them our path to God, or our proof for God, or the foundation of our justification before God, uh, then these things become our idols, and they steal from us the thing that ought to be at the center of our uh, life with God, which is Christ and His Word and His sacraments. Yeah, now say, say a little bit more about that, because um, having Christ at the center of our life, both temporal and eternal life, is, um, is, is precisely the, the miracle that the Holy Spirit is working in the Church, that the, the miracle that the Holy Spirit is working through His Word, the very thing that the Lord wants to give us. It's now the devil's strategy simply to come in, by by whatever ism he has these three ladders etc and simply displace Christ uh, with himself or even with something that we think is more wonderful with ourselves or 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 whatever so so this is the devil's strategy that you're talking about to to displace Jesus yeah yeah I mean, God gives us his I mean even even you could kind of say before Jesus in a sense if you go back to the garden although I think Jesus was pretty much the one speaking at this point but the goal is to take the words that God is speaking. For example, uh, this fruit will kill you, uh, in which uh, Luther talks about that being the highest worship that was given them in the garden. Not that they would obey it, but that they would believe it. Right? That by faith alone, <laughs> they could know that that fruit would kill them. They couldn't ever experience that. They just had to trust God. Uh, the devil comes along and he takes that word, which God had put at the center of his relationship with Adam and Eve, and he moves it to the side. Now, did God really say? Maybe it's only kind of half true. And, and so this continues to be his, pl- his ploy, his, his strategy. Uh, today, we have a new word. Uh, you are justified by the death of Jesus. Uh, you are vindicated by his resurrection. You are baptized into his cleanness. You are fed with his very life as a man. Uh, and uh, the devil comes and he says, well, those are all nice and good things, but let's, let's just see what else there is. Isn't there more to the Christian life? Uh, shouldn't we really be experiencing, I don't know, a transformed life or some, some more revival or who knows what? It, does, it doesn't matter what it, he points you to. The goal is to get that clear word about Jesus as Savior, complete, total, sufficient, justifying Savior, just to the side. Because once he can get it to the side, it's not too long before it's in the back seat. And not too long, but it's been before it's been dropped off at the curb, several blocks back, and you don't even know what happened. I think it's a you know we look back on history and we, you know, I mean just the history of the world, and we always have this nostalgia. Things were better back then than they are now, but um, sure. it's really fantastic to say, look, that the, there is no new tricks that the devil has. I mean, he's been doing this since the very beginning, and things are things are bad now, but they are just as bad as they were when our parents and our grandparents and our great grandparents were were. We're growing up and we're fighting the devil as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's such an easy one to not believe. Uh, but then you go back and you read some of these <laughs> other generations, and they keep saying things like, well, it's clearly the end of the world because things have gotten so bad, worse than they've ever been before. You know, and 15 years prior, some other guy was saying that, and 15 years prior to that, <laughs> another guy was saying it, and then we come to where we are 100 years later, and we're still saying it. And it kind of brings you to that, that forced conclusion. Well, I, I, maybe it's just always like this. Yeah, <laughs> it, It's I'm in right. a, a state of perpetual decay that seems like it can't get any worse, but is always as bad. 
Yeah. Uh, and so maybe the rosy glasses is the problem. We're looking back and thinking it was better back then. Uh, it's always been this bad. That's how bad we are. That's how Which horrible is... human history has been, just a constant sickness. Um, now, you know, that kind of uh, connects to our, our perpetual seeking after self and the chaos that our, our curved inward hearts uh, wreaks upon the landscape. You know, when I go out and seek my will versus your will, we're bound to come into conflict. And if i got nothing holding me back, not even the law of God at some point, you know, who's, who's to stop me from just uh, doing as I will? And when everyone does that, uh, what you have is sickness and uh, war and famine and poverty and all these things that we see just peppering uh, our life. Uh, Jesus calls these the beginnings of birth pains, right? Uh, And I'm convinced the four horsemen of the apocalypse are are the same reality uh, in in John's revelation, and that they're not going to be sent out at the end of the world. They got sent out during the fall. That's the fall when the horsemen go out uh, and start wreaking havoc upon this planet uh, through us. (laughs) It's not some spiritual thing outside of us, really. It's us. We're the problem. and you make that point too that it's that the devil uh, enlists us in um, in his work to undo us. Yeah, we're we're his best ally as long as he can keep us ignorant of Jesus. <laughs> now the no great thing about, about what what you just said about the things that you know has always been as bad as they are now is that that means that in every place for our parents and grandparents and great grandparents that the gospel has been as sweet for them as it is for us. That's I mean, right. It is and the, it's always been as perfect an answer, right? Now, the, the church must change or die. No, 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 no. The church will die as soon as she stops giving the one thing she's been given to give, uh, which is this gospel of Christ. Yeah. That is so fantastically untrendy, Fisk. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And yet it's so <laughs> countercultural. It ought to be like hipster. I mean, no one's doing it. <laughs> uh, about, uh, now I've even forgotten. Oh, Punk Rock John. This guy, Punk Rock yeah. John, who's, who is who's right on the edge. He's a Christian. He's on the edge. And then he, he, he realizes that being a Christian doesn't put him far enough on the edge. So he has to go and become an atheist, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of a, a semi-true story. Uh, from a friend and his life with his own son, uh, and he uh, he's not really trying to be on the edge. You know, he's trying to be a Christian, but when he runs into some very reasonable doubts that are thrown at him by atheists, which he's never been given answers to because as a really as a mystic, he's been seeking God in his emotions. Um, uh, when he runs into these reasonable atheistic questions, he has no answers, and he goes seeking answers at the church. And uh, his his DCE, his youth pastor, um, can't give him any answers either. Says, pray about it. God will tell you. You (laughs) Where's God going to tell him? In his feelings. Okay, so what happens when those feelings don't come? Because they didn't. And next thing you know, the atheists just sound right. right? Uh, And and then he's he's off and gone. He's still respecting his father. And he he still um, uh, can even see that the church does some good in the world, helping poor people, things like that. But... uh, he lost Jesus, and he doesn't even know why, uh, because he was, t- he was fed a false gospel, and that false gospel, when it failed, he didn't blame the falseness. He blamed Jesus for it. He That's thinks he knows what Christianity is as he walks away from it. He's, he doesn't know. He doesn't know I, about the objective justification. Go ahead. I, well, I think that um, there's, these three ladders are open to critique from the other ladders, but in a strange sort of way, so that mysticism is always wide open to the critique of rationalism, Rationalism mm. almost always falls to the critique of moralism, and moralism mm. always always succumbs to the allure of mysticism. So it's like a rock, yeah, paper, scissors of the three ladders. So you got a mystic, and you know that they're going to be 
wide open to the temptation of atheism, which are rationalism, mm. which is rationalistic. And then you have the atheists who are wide open to the very moralistic religions. Uh, I mean, like Islam, or uh, mm. or even Mormonism, and uh, or uh, some of these sorts of things because of the kind of strong moral character that are there. And then you get your moral kind of Christians, and they fall uh, and they fall to mysticism, and they're swept away by that. Uh, that's that's amazing. Huh. It's a strange sort of phenomenon. So you see people. It's like the it, it, instead of being the three ladders, it's like the three toilet bowls. You know, you're just being swept <laughs> away from one thing to another. Now you got that from Kaverly too, right? No, no. No, I'm kidding. I'm just. <laughs> no, that, that's, a, that's a great insight, dude. <laughs> well, you wonder. You know, you see. You know, you see when you see the atheist and who they're going after. They're going after these evangelical mystics, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, they're right. mocking them and heading straight towards them, and we're and and it's an it's almost easy pickings. I mean, any of these ladders, you expose well, yourself and once you to, give the, in to the rationalism. Devil you saw this with the uh, the Enlightenment uh, or post Enlightenment rationalists in the church, the liberals, classical liberals. Once they had stripped the church of of Jesus, all they had left was to preach the, the brotherhood of man and good morals. Right. So they, it, they it, preach moralism until it, it drives everybody nuts and outside the church and and gives us this cold. <laughs> Sterile church, right? And then what's the answer to that? Well, revival. You know, let's yeah. get the emotional again. It's mystic. Right? I know, it's right. isn't it? I mean, and you see, the atheists know this too, because every time they have an essay contest, they're asking people to ask how you can be good without God. I mean, that's all they're—they're they're obsessed they, with that because they know they're losing true. people to moralism. Hmm. Yeah. There you go. Now, the solution to all this is Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jesus preached, right? Not some vague uh, idea about Jesus, but the creed. The Son of God who became man, uh, died and rose in history as a ongoing uh, witness, a uh, testimony of fact. And this fact has a meaning, too, and that meaning is, is as much to be preached as the, as the fact, but you can't have one without the other, in a sense. Uh, the meaning of all of this is the divorcing of humankind from sin. Right, the divorcing of humankind from missing the mark of goodness. Humankind has been put back into goodness in the literal, physical body of Jesus and has defeated all of his enemies now, sin, death, and the devil. Uh, and, and this, then, being a free gift to all of humanity. Or if you're a Calvinist, maybe to you. Um, but uh, otherwise, to all of humanity. That was, that was a joke. For the no, I'm, no I, I think you are being inhumane. No, what is that that we were just talking about? Evan and I were just talking. Yeah, why all the hostility <laughs> towards Calvinists? And the answer is because oh. they like it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. So well, I'll say for the Calvinists, too, though, for sure, Jesus died for you. And that's yeah. the beauty of the gospel. Uh, that, that what this Christ, this Lord, this King has done uh, has been for your sake, whoever you are, wherever you are, uh, that you might hear it, believe it, and in that believing, be restored to the one thing you lost, which was an actual uh, connection to God, in which you don't find God, but God finds you constantly, from the moment <laughs> he creates you to the moment, to the moment he sustains you, uh, you know, by his word. That's, in, in the end, instead of... Instead of us being broken by the devil's attacks, we, God Himself is broken for us. I mean, he, yeah. he He's there, crushed on the cross, and He's handed over in the in His body and blood uh, into our mouths, so that we can, uh, so, so that we can be whole. Uh, he He's torn apart, so that we can be forgiven. He's demolished by God's wrath, so that so that we can stand before Him in the resurrection. Uh, he He's cast away from the sight of of God. It's uh, 
Uh, and so in the end, we have a broken God, uh, which yeah, is fantastic. That, that, that title for the book is a play on, on words, and there's probably about four or five different ways I use the word in the book, but that's the one, you just hit it, that I'm really going for. Uh, you know, we, we should be breaking these false rules, but ultimately we can't. That's just it. I am a mystic. I am a rationalist. I am a moralist daily. I can't stop. I can't break these rules enough. If I, if I make a new rule out of out of not being these things, it's going to be worse than it was before, right? Yeah, you can be an anti-moralist moralist. Oh my gosh! Oh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, so we don't. As much as we want to try to break these rules by calling them what they are, when we find them in our own hearts and naming them for what they are, so that we know they're lies. Uh, the answer is the broken God, as you've said, that uh, one who uh, keeps the rules. Uh, but then is broken for us, uh, and who re- in his resurrection becomes a new rule. And here's a little pun action, but uh, we need more of these on, on billboards, you know, and signs for churches. Church signs, um, yeah. That's the yeah. one big thing we um, lack is puns the, on church the, signs. The, the, <laughs> amen. The, uh, the one rule we need more of is the reign, right? The rule of Jesus as king. Uh, oh, I gotcha. and, and this is not something you can keep by doing. It's something you can only keep by hearing uh, and only keep by believing, and even this then is his reign over you, his action, his spirit, all these good things. Uh, so, yeah, Fantastic. lots of puns in the book, man, lots of puns. That's that's what I, I'm always looking I'm, You know, I'm doing my, uh, I'm doing all my research for the comedy routine I'm supposed to do when I'm up there at your place in uh, February. Yeah, 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 looking forward to that. Hey, you can I'm, just mimic uh, uh, Galligan or whatever his name is. For, Gaffigan, uh, Gaffigan, Gaffigan, what do you mean Gaffigan? Just mimic Gaffigan the whole time. Hockey. <laughs> <laughs> bacon? He's going to tell another mm. bacon joke? Anyhow, hey, nice <laughs> we work were... on this book. I I know this is I mean, this is impossible work to write a book. It's incredibly difficult work and it doesn't seem like it. And now, you know, the it's done and and, and you get to talk about it, but uh, I mean, this is a, a a labor of blood, sweat and tears. And so thanks for thanks for doing it for us. Sure, absolutely. And it, it is it is done for for you again, whoever you might happen to be, uh, but especially you who are caught by uh, the many different trappings of, of what passes for American Christianity today, and counterfeit Christianity, and this can be in the Lutheran churches as much as anywhere else. Right. Doesn't matter what's on the sign. I'm just appalled at how rarely, as a Lutheran pastor, I hear the gospel preached from my brother pastors. Uh, I hear them preaching about love. I hear them preaching about stewardship. I hear them preaching even about mercy. You know, things that I'm not against. But goodness, can someone tell me about Jesus, please? I need to hear <laughs> yeah. it. And, yeah. uh, and I know if I'm starving for it, then, then uh, the average Joe in the pew is probably hungry as well. That's right. This is this, So this will be a great book. I mean, not only to, to be familiar with ourselves, but to, to apply to people as the antidote um, to, to all the devil's attacks that, uh, you know, that he just simply continues to drive us away from the gospel with. So yeah. Now, is it well, available? Walter's got a great quote. Oh, so go ahead. Uh, Well, you go ahead first, Walter. Walter's got a great quote in his Law and Gospel, and it's near the end. Uh, He says, um, all of our preaching of the law must be for the express purpose of preaching the gospel. He almost sounds like an antinomian. He's he's obviously not an antinomian, but he almost sounds like one there, and it's kind of a good thing. Uh, This book, you know, it's about these these rules, that uh, these devil's lies, these false teachings. That's not the point of the book. The point of the book, in the end, is to preach uh, the answer, the antidote, like you said. Uh, and that's what you're going to come away with, I think, uh, Brian, if you ever read the whole thing. Um, <laughs> I will. <laughs> you're going to come away filled up with Jesus. 
That's the whole point. It's like a really, well, I, I shouldn't say this about my own stuff, but hopefully it's a really, really good sermon that just lasts a while and really takes you low but then brings you high at the end through Christ. Fantastic. What, uh, what did I not ask you about that you want to talk about? Uh, more Jim Gaffigan, basically. <laughs> um, you, did you know, I, you I told me. you about Gaffigan, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You're, you saved me, man. And I was—I got a—I got a little story about it. It's so good. It's you know, it's it's kind of useless in terms of theology. But so I, I go up to this higher things retreat, local retreat, recently with my youth yeah, group. Yeah. And we got about 15 kids in the van, and we've been driving like an hour through western suburban Chicago, stop and go. I mean, we're, it's only like 30 miles away, but oh my goodness, an hour in this horrific traffic, and we've had music going. We're just tired. So I I pull up my um. Uh, my iPhone is plugged into the to the stereo so everyone can hear it, and I I just talked to Siri. I said, uh, "Google YouTube Jim Gaffigan Hot Pocket," and uh, uh, we started playing it. And the, at first, the, the kids are kind of like, "What's this?" Well, kind of like, you know the guy that Gaffigan's always making fun of. Who is this guy? Yeah, is he, he serious? About? Kind of stuff. You know, what's he doing? <laughs> but by the end, oh, they were rolling. They were rolling in the aisles. It was great stuff. <laughs> The funniest man alive. Oh, he is. You should, he I is. almost died the other day because I was laying down, and he came on talking about escalators. He came on the okay. Pandora Jim Gaffigan station, and I, I almost oh. died not being able to breathe. I like to pretend <laughs> like I'm on charge in the escalator. You guys stand behind me. Keep that pace. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Have you seen his, you seen his uh, holiday season one? No, not yet. No? He's like talking about how... Uh, you know, making fun of Christmas, and uh, uh, it's like was somebody drunk when they first did this. Like, like the wife wakes up and she's like, "How'd this tree get in here?" It's like, "Yeah, oh, I thought it'd be a good idea to, to cut it down and bring it inside." And I got these lights. I thought I'd take them outside now, change it up a little bit. <laughs> oh, anyway, we're, we're probably butchering it. You who are listening, don't listen to us about Jim Gaffigan. Go experience the second greatest thing in the world beside Long Gospel. Jim Gaffigan. Yes, and uh, and uh, don't forget to listen to uh, Worldview Everlasting, uh, the third yeah. greatest yeah. thing in the world. Yeah. Or watch it, yeah, that's right. Hey, thanks, Jonathan. Oh, the book is available soon? December 5th. You can pre-order December now. Uh, go to uh, facebook.com slash worldvieweverlasting. You can not only pre-order it from there, uh, through the CPH website as well, uh, but at that uh, that website you can watch the videos and uh, comment and uh, there's a little tiny burgeoning community. Nothing like Table Talk Radio has, believe you oh, me. No. But um, man, who could compare? <laughs> but <laughs> we are uh, we're we're getting close to our challenge of um, of uh, rivaling the same number of people that like uh, Kurt. What's his name? Kurt what? Kurt Cameron. That's right. Anyway, oh, he's wow, got twenty three thousand. Really? We've got seven hundred and twenty eight. But we're uh, we're closing there. the You're gap. There. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Nice. Well, you know, well, hey, like, can, uh, in, in, in the Lord's eyes, a single fan is like a thousand fans. And so, um, <laughs> I wish I would. How come I didn't think of that? You got that from Caberly. Hey, thanks uh, for no, being on the show. Be. Thanks for doing this book. Thank you. For, thanks a million for writing this again. And uh, and I hope that um, everyone listening goes and picks this thing up and let us know uh, let us know what you think about it. And uh, thanks for your uh, service to the church. I know, I, Jonathan. I think I think I told you this. You. Um, uh, gave me the finest compliment that I think I've ever received one time when you called me a friend of the gospel, and I mm -hmm. feel the, fanta the same way about you in this text, and uh, uh, rejoice that uh, the Lord has given it to you to write, uh, and that now he's about to give it to the church to read. So God be praised for that.
Yeah, amen. I appreciate that.